My name is Dana Sparks. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello, fans. This is Father John Misty. Whether you're snorting rails of Tide off priceless Matisse cutouts, or stuck at home because of your dismal Uber rating, my customized mixtape is guaranteed to be 100% Ed Sheeran. That's Ed Sheeran all the time on Father John Misty Radio. Hello, you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm Emerson Malone. I'm a podcast editor with the Daily Emerald. With me here in the studio, it's... I'm Craig Wright. I'm the arts and culture editor. I'm Dana Alston. I'm an arts and culture writer and Emerald film critic. I'm Sarah Rosa Davies, and I'm a writer for the Emerald Music Writer. And today we're talking about Pure Comedy. It's the third studio album from Father John Misty after Fear Fun and I Love You, Honey Bear. And we're going to discuss our thoughts on it. Dana, do you want to yeah. give us some context? Sure. So Josh Tillman, popularly known as Father John Misty, is a singer-songwriter hailing from Rockville, Maryland. After releasing eight albums between 2003 and 2010 under just simply Jay Tillman and a brief stint as a member of Fleet Foxes, he created Father John Misty, an ironic, meandering, pretentious personality uh <laughs> a persona I described as a great American novelist wrapped in hipster cloth in my article, who has garnered a lot of praise and equal ire for his general attitude and holier-than-thou actions and lyrics. Um, His three albums, Fear Fun, I Love You, Honey Bear, and Pure Comedy, all are very impressive for their lush, lush instrumentation and their notable takes on the world that surrounds Tillman. His latest, Pure Comedy, is his most ambitious artistic statement simply from a lyrical point of view, and we're here to discuss it today. Um, Starting off, I mean, what do we like about Father John Misty? Well, that's a loaded question. Is that as a person or the album? Uh, Let's start with the person or the artist in general. Well, I think Sarah so will probably want to lead on that one. Yeah, well, I was thinking about just the context in which he exists as a person is really interesting because, you know, he was this drummer for Fleet Foxes, but he wasn't known as Father John Misty. He, I have to say he yeah. was more than the drummer, though. Yeah, like, I, I mean, saw saw them live twice, and, like, he can put a harmony to anything, and he yeah. was the one between songs who had, like, literally everyone in the audience cracking up. He's so, an artist. No, I mean, like, he's an artist in his own right, Josh Tillman is, but I think it's important to acknowledge that he decided to do his solo career not as Josh Tillman, but instead as Father John Misty, who I think is somewhat of a character i mean we talk about his pretentiousness and the whole pitchfork authenticity video that dana showed me you know earlier i think there's something about him that he knows he's being fucking pretentious sorry for the swearing i think as sarah rosa described there's something about him as a character rather than a person that makes him appealing um you know that what he's singing about isn't necessary you're never sure whether what he's singing about is what he truly believes or whether he's inhabiting this attitude that he knows is pretentious. He's very self-aware of that of how people view him when he speaks on these issues. Right. Really, he's no different from Kiss or Alice Cooper. He's this construct. I mean, like I think he's absolutely the, the he's fake. Like in all, I, I think it's funny you mention authenticity because this whole thing is an act. Like yeah. it's a hundred percent an act, and it's. He's he's the Kanye West of rock. I mean, he's the <laughs> biggest, like, attention-grabbing rock star in the world right now next to Kanye. I mean, the thing that got me, Google Josh Tillman shaved. How many, how many Google results do you think there are? Don't do it yet. How many, how many Google results? Uh, hmm? Many. 
2.58 million hits. I mean, a lot of that is probably not related at all, but <laughs> that many results come up when you Google Josh Tillman shaved. Like, there were Onion articles about him as, like, ooh, the white hipster man shaves his beard and has a new persona as just the mustachioed person. <laughs> That's what he's become. And I think because of that, a lot of people aren't actually listening to the album in the right way, and they're just seeing it as, like, oh, well, he's talking about us, and I don't like it. Because I've read a few reviews, and I thought Pitchfork actually nailed this album. But so many people are just taking it as, like, it's social media bait. And mm. I think he's doing that because of the album, and they don't understand what it's talking about. Absolutely. So with I, that being said, should we jump into the album so we can sure, yeah. cover um, some time? One of the interesting things you brought up, Craig, you think Pure Comedy, which is the title track and the opening number, is the best thing that he or Fleet Foxes has ever put to wax. I don't think anything's going to beat that for song of the year either. Like, Yeah. I mean, I, I love Fleet Foxes. I was, I saw them twice. I was at their final U.S. show as a band. I mean, they're reforming now. Um, but he's just on another level with this song right out of the gate. You know, it's about mankind <laughs> as a whole. And he's talking about the joke of life and existence, but he does it so well. Like he's <laughs> talking about the, f- the, comedy of man starts like this and it's about how babies are too big to be born from fully born for humans so we have to hope we have good parents and then we go to war and it's just all over the place yeah yeah there's something about the opening track the way he writes lyrics has a prose to it that i appreciate because it reminds me a lot of i i feel like he's deliberately honing kurt vonnegut in the opening track because he refers to the listener's babies like yeah his monologue is babies plural right not baby as like the most popular songwriting term possibly ever but babies <laughs> as in like infants mm-hmm. odd you mentioned that though because real love baby was this like the pre-single for this album and that's the catchiest thing he's ever written i agree <laughs> yeah and um, that's not on the album no it's just yeah. a, it was the single yeah. yeah the music video for that track is particularly interesting in which he includes footage from the re- most recent inauguration and trump in general and he overlays that face with lyrics saying, where did they find these, where did they elect these clowns to rule them or these goons to rule them? You could feel a little bit of judgment towards his listeners or toward the people he thinks he's singing about. But I think later on in the album, he quantifies that or he qualifies that by saying that he doesn't know any better than those people, maybe about different things. Can I interrupt? Yeah, sure. Because I think if you look at the next part of that line what he says is what makes these clowns they idolize so remarkable these mammals are hell-bent on fashioning new gods so they can go on being godless animals and then later in the song he mentions like he's talking about religion and the Mm -hmm. concept of religion and how the concept of being free is a prison of beliefs yeah it's like ah (laughs) he's got something there um but really this song i don't see it as a political song i see it as just like religion as a whole and the concept of what we're after because like the next song is total entertainment forever yeah which and is my favorite track on the album it's great but that's all about how basically our society has just become so overwhelmed with the need to constantly be entertained and be yep. looking at a screen that basically we just elected a reality tv star to be president and so he ties not only religion and politics together but also social media. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just see, like, there's so many overlapping ideologies that just 
when you look at it closely, it's shocking how well he pulled it off. Yeah, I think there's something, I almost compared the album to an onion <laughs> when I first was writing about it because it's it's that layered. I think there's there are ways you can approach it where, yeah, it's like a very like interpersonal political type of thing. And I also think there are ways you can address the album and you can talk about the album as a big commentary in society as a whole. I think he gets at like the personal and the political in such a way that it's, I think he knows he's approaching it with a, in a pretentious manner. I think he knows he's being a hypocrite in a way, if that makes any sense. Like he, I mean, I was thinking about the song, you know, my favorite lyric in that was, oh, just another white guy in 2017 who takes himself so goddamn seriously. And I think that is one of the kind of standout lyrics in the album that everyone's talking about. Because he wanted them to. <laughs> because he wanted them to. But I also think it's like very, it's a very smart line because he's he's literally addressing that he, um, that he knows he's calling everyone else out by calling himself out in a way. I think we all share his view of the world in some ways. And I think people who deny it, you know. Well, I mean, the final couplet on the opening track is just matter suspended in the dark. I hate to say it, but each other's all we got. Mm -hmm. So we're all just matter suspended in the dark. He's just for 75 minutes taking on the role of explaining everything to everyone. Right. I listened to an interview with him last night where he was talking about, he went through every track, and one of the things he mentioned at the end was that this album starts zoomed out on Earth as a whole. Yep. And then by the end, it just, each track slowly zooms in, mm. and by the end, it's him looking back out at the stars. Hmm. And it's him realizing, like, you know, we're here. Might as well do something with it. Exactly. But, on this godless rock that just won't die, which is another lyric yeah. I may be misquoting. I think that's on... Yeah. Uh, things that would have been helpful to know before the revolution. Godless rock that refuses to die. I think yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. But like, Sarah, so going off what you were saying, yeah. I mean, the first line of Total Entertainment Forever, everyone's like, oh my God, he's talking about <laughs> so having good. virtual sex with Taylor Swift. It's like, why do you think he did that in a song mm -hmm. called Total Entertainment Forever? And it's, <laughs> I watched that same interview. Was that the one with Zane Lowe? Yeah, it was yeah. a great interview, yeah. It was a great interview, which is saying something because it's Zane Lowe. Um, well, but Father John Misty, he was actually, it seems like he was actually being sincere for once. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he explained that, like, God, I would never want that to happen to Taylor Swift. Right. I'm not just, like, I'm not using her just as a prop. Or if I am, it's, like, doing it strangely empathetically. Um, he's trying to accentuate how we dehumanize pop stars and how we will continue to dehumanize pop stars if we continue along the path we're going. Right. Um, the full line is betting Taylor Swift every night inside the Oculus Rift while... Um, After dinner in the dishes with Mr. and the... Yeah, Mr. Yeah. and the Mrs. doing right. dinner in the dishes. So just, and... you know, the mentioning the Oculus Rift, which is like this headline-grabbing piece of technology, and then placing it next to an act that I think anyone who's been on the internet for a few years will assume is going to happen uh, with that kind of technology. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird wake up call mm. a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. I was going to say he's kind yeah. of a prophet in a way. I think this, I'll, we're, I mean, I wrote about this a little bit in my review, but I think he's one of those people who like is, who kind of says something so accurate about the world that we don't, again, like I said, we don't want to believe it, but that, you know, like, the way, like, great science fiction, like, predicts kind of what's going to happen next in the world. Like, you know, the best science fiction, like, predicted iPhones. Like, in some ways, it predicts those ideas. I think he's really good at, again, like, predicting and kind of saying, hey, here's where we're going. We got to change things up or 
not. Yeah. Um, since we've spent the last couple of minutes, like, th- kind of hurling superlatives his way, what don't we like about this album? And what don't we like about Father John Misty? I guess I'll start since I brought it up. I think I, I agree with what you said that like he predicts what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think part of the problem with his music, which I th- which you wrote about in your review, is that ultimately it's a very white perspective, mm-hmm. um, and it's a perspective that's at the end of the day fairly privileged. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's difficult for him to make sweeping arguments about where we're going to be headed from the perspective of someone who's had it pretty good for most of his life. Yeah, and I think he, I think he's smart, and I think he knows his privilege. But yeah, I think you're right. It's not like you know, it's not like he chose. We have sometimes white people talk about when we're talking about the race. They're like, I didn't choose to be white, you know, like that idea, or like I didn't choose to be born the way I am. But I think he. He does come out of it, come at different things with a sense of privilege. But I think ultimately, I do think there are many artists who can, who have similar, um, who are saying similar things to him, but who haven't been getting their due, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I just don't like when you discredit someone for being white or oh, I, being I, black. I, know. I, I just don't think that's I mean, it's not simply for being, it's not simply yeah. for being white. And I agree with you. I was, um, if anything, I'm playing for devil's advocate here. I'm a huge fan of his music. I love this album. Yeah, I, I think he's absolutely brilliant. I mean, the first time I heard him, I didn't get it. And so I didn't return to it for a while mm-hmm. until I Love You Honey Bear came out. And then it was like, okay, I get it. And then like six months later, it was like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It was like once you see what he's doing, I think my biggest problem with him is not him himself, it's how people perceive him. Because he mm. he is just I think he's on another intellectual plane and people don't understand what he's going for. It's like watching an episode of Louis CK's show Louis. I mean, he points out things about society and it's just like, "Oh, I do that." but it's a problem like you can recognize your own flaws mm-hmm. through what he does cuz sure. like i mean if you look at leaving la like it's a song all about him but really he's saying like i'm pretty sure he's saying like oh you know one day we just drove to new orleans because the mega thrust hit like i think that's what he's saying is like the when the big one hit we left i could be totally wrong about that mm-hmm. but then he goes and says you know Anything you need, you can get online, whether it's a creation method or a 45. You're going to need one or the other to survive where only the armed or the funny make it out alive. Mm-hmm. It's like you can read, you can hear that and just be like, what a dick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he doesn't know what he's talking about. And just dismiss it. But if you think about that, like literally what he's saying is that people have embraced his persona so much. And he sings about this later in the song. There's a line I can find later. But I really don't see this song being any different than John Lennon saying the Beatles are bigger than Jesus. Yeah. But it's yeah. just become so regularized through social mm-hmm. media that no one cares anymore. Well, we, we've talked about pretentiousness in, in our discussion, but we have to realize that the act of standing on stage and singing lyrics to a huge crowd of people, especially when you're trying explicitly trying to impart a message, is by itself pretentious. Mm -hmm. Right. See here, I'm returning to Kiss here because (laughs) no one ever would say like, oh, Kiss is like this band we have to take seriously. But this is an act. Like Father John Misty is an act. Like I saw him live last summer and he's one of the greatest performers I've Mm -hmm. ever seen. I mean, it was pouring rain Mm -hmm. and people were just up dancing like 
going crazy. I've never seen a guy jump off amplifiers and just start air humping the stage in golden shoes and tuxedo. Mm-hmm. It's like, who is this guy? Like, yeah, there's no way he's real, and he's not. Yeah, mm-hmm. to an extent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I was going to comment about the whole crystal debacle that I love so much about Father John Misty. He essentially, there's this health food store, very expensive health food store in L.A. that had a special crystal stolen, And he posted this long, very long Instagram caption about how he supposedly stole the crystal and like something about capitalism and just kind of this like long winded joke that was so weird. And you can't take that seriously. Like, you know, you want to because he's talking about these big ideas about capitalism and like health foods and like all that stuff. But I think there is an element of just kind of goofiness to him. Absolutely. Right. That is really great. I found the line I was looking for. So in yeah. Leaving L.A., he sings, Why is it I'm so distraught if what I'm selling is getting bought? Mm-hmm. At some point, you just can't control what people use your fake name for. Like, yep. That's him in a nutshell. Like mm-hmm. You can't say it any more perfectly. And, but he crosses this weird line in that same song. You know, He recognizes that it's a fake name. He talks about people using that fake name for ends that he doesn't want. But he also includes an anecdote in that same song about him... Is it like an explicit memory of him with his mother, I believe? Oh, the first time music mm. gripped him? Right. Yeah. yeah. He, he Like he explains what, like how music came to be, what came to mean what it means to him. Mm-hmm. And that's so personal and such a almost invasive memory to share with an audience, especially when you're mm-hmm. assuming a persona. And so it's this weird line he he straddles constantly which is what makes him such an interesting Mm -hmm. artist and you know to call him pretentious again is to just to assume judgment on the act of performing music in general like an artist to me since i've been thinking about this the couple of days that i love that now i recognize as more pretentious than i thought is kendrick lamar like he doesn't get a ton of flack for saying things in a similar manner to father john misty he's a guy more or less standing on top of a musical hill, shouting down these proverbs and these observations. And at the end of the day, they're doing the same thing in a different form and from a different perspective, but still similar mm-hmm. actions. I was going to say, also, I think the notion of celebrity is so important in this album and so important when it comes to Father John Misty. Just the notion of putting someone up on a pedestal in the first place, whether they want themselves to be on the pedestal or not, I think is really important to think about because i mean he talks about this a little bit in total entertainment forever and other albums on the song but you know like we said people force an image of father john misty on father john misty but you know he's created this whole image for himself that in some ways is i think making fun and also commenting on the image of celebrities in the first place yeah my favorite short little interview with him was somebody asked him his opinion on drake and he said i don't know think they have some areas to improve. I have some <laughs> notes for Drake. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, just going to the concept of celebrity and how people buy into it, like on a bigger paper bag. One of the, like the chorus, this is one of the best lines on the album. He says, like a child with cash or a king on cocaine, I've got the world by the balls. Am I supposed to behave? It's like, yep. No, that's... when you have that power, you're going to exploit it mm-hmm. for all it's worth. And he's doing that magnificently. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, there are a few people who could do what he's doing with what he, with the hand he was dealt. Yeah. Um, so 
just to quit since we're, we're nearing the end of our session here um how does this compare to his other albums or his other about work to comment on that um the first father john misty song i heard was uh, chateau lobby number four my friend kate had showed it to me um and that felt like a very human song to me like very um like very real in a way but also kind of like again like there's this like pretentious like kind of this level um it's a very real song but there is this level of separation i think between it's the two hipsters falling in exactly. love exactly like it's like very the love aspect i think is very real but then they're like the hipster stuff and you're like okay yeah i think that's the best way someone's put the song actually yeah it's um, well i mean there, there's a line in there i've never hated all you, the same things as yeah. somebody else like yeah. that's what the what they connect over is their shared hate yeah. of everything phony um and i think his albums have just gotten progressively a little bit more ironic in a way. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing to acknowledge is that, like, my the title, like, the opening line of my review is um, Pure Comedy is Father John Mistyist, is Father John Mistyist. I think, I don't know how he's going to follow up, you know, after this album. Like, what's he going to do next, too? I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I think to say that, you know, it's gotten, he's got basically crawled further and further up his own ass with each <laughs> album. Fear Fun, which is his first album, which came out in 2012, was a collection of songs. It was like, right. here I am, this is what I can do. Um, it had a couple highlights on there, but no grand artistic statement. I Love You, Honey Bear was very, as Sarah Rosa described, human. Um, a very personal look at love at his mm-hmm. marriage to his wife, Emma. Um, how they supposedly met although who can be sure and he began to like bloviate about what it means to be an artist and had some grand observations on the world and then this pure comedy is just completely scatterbrained to me Hmm. but in the best scatterbrained scatterbrained only because that he tackles a lot of different subjects uh, I guess scatterbrained is the maybe I, the wrong I, word. I disagree. Ambitious. This... Okay, there you go. Extremely <laughs> ambitious. A little scatterbrained, especially in Leaving L.A., where he does he goes back and forth so much, but certainly ambitious and more w- w- wide-reaching. He's saying, I have control over this thing I've created now. Let's see what I can do with it. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked I Love You, Honey Bear. It was, I think, my third or fourth favorite album that year. Same here. But... This one, I mean, okay, let me just say this first. In no way am I comparing him to the Beatles. In no way am I comparing him to the Beatles. But I think it's interesting that 50 years ago this week, Sgt. Pepper was released. And if you want to, basically, if you want to hear what the 60s were like, you listen to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I've heard that from multiple people who lived through it, historians, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. I see this as an album that's going to be on that, not, what's the word? It's not going to be regarded in that high of quality, but... It captures the zeitgeist. Exactly. If you think about 2017, like, this is it. We're an overly self-aware society. Everything is fake, basically, you know? (laughs) I I don't know, man. I think if he wanted to capture 2017, he would have added a few bangers on there, but maybe that's just me. (laughs) Well, And with that... The bangers can go. No, (laughs) I, I just think this is... He sees what's going on in a very interesting way, mm. and it's it's about us. You know, I Love You, Honey Bear was about him mm. and him being in love. This is about us, and I think he nailed it. Tight. That's all we have time for today. <laughs> My name is Emerson Malone. I'm Craig Wright. I'm Dana Alston. I'm Sarah Rosa Davies. To hear more from the Emerald Podcast Network, you can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud and listen to these episodes right on the Emerald homepage at dailyemerald.com. If you liked what you heard today, or you just want to talk about FJM with Craig and Sarah Rosa and Dana, feel free to reach out to us. 
Leave us a comment on our SoundCloud stream. Storm into the Emerald Newsroom. Tell us we're pretentious hipsters. Get our attention some way. Thanks for listening. Bedding Taylor Swift Every night inside the Oculus Rift After Mr. and the Mrs. 